Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Craig Butler. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Good morning, Faith. How are you doing today? So good to see your smiling face. It is the day that you do all your New Year's resolutions, right? And uh, if you're doing a New Year's resolution, here's what I'm thinking is that you have to admit that you're doing something wrong, right? Because you want to not eat as much. You want to make sure that you exercise more, but you have to admit that you're not exercising and that you're eating too much. And that's okay, right? So I'm kind of flipping that. This year, I'm going to eat as much and as, I mean, I'm going to eat a lot this year. That's that's my my goal. I'm going to eat out a lot. I'm going to eat as much as I can. All right? How many is with me? All right, see? I knew. Just if you throw it out there, you may get someone to uh, bounce back at that. You just never know. New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you, but um, this last week was uh, Christmas time, as you know. And how many has Christmas traditions? That you go out. Ours is after Christmas communion service right here at Faith. We go out and we um, look at lights. And usually you go home, you get your PJs on because you want to be comfortable in this. You know, you, you want to do the best you can in being comfortable. You get your sweatpants, what, your sweatpant family, what you, whatever you want to call it. But you get your PJs on and then you go out and look at Christmas lights. So when you're out, you have this idea and thought, you know what? Let's swing by McDonald's. <laughs> I don't know why. But because uh, it's real healthy, that's the one that you need to put on your resolution list not to go to, probably. But I don't know. And so we're in line at McDonald's. We're ordering, and it's like I- I'm like the hard one frugal. Let's let's order off the dollar menu right at McDonald's to get as cheap as we can. So we're going through as a family, and all of a sudden, the person says, "Hey, the person in front of you just bought your meal." And I'm like, that is incredible. And to top it off, it was a Somerville cop. Car number 222. I I don't know if you're here this morning or if you're watching on TV or anything, but thank you. I just wanted to say thank you for that meal. Um, And if you know car number 222, you you made our night. And so uh, my wife is like, well, let's buy the car behind us. I'm like, okay, that, you know, that, that'd be great. But the person never came back to the window. So I, I owe somebody probably a meal at McDonald's, so I don't know who that person is, but maybe that they'll, they'll be there someday. Um, make, but, make, <laughs> Pastor, yes, okay, great. We're, we're, we're on. <laughs> but we will go with the dollar menu. Just want to throw that out there. Um, one of those stories, I, I remember traveling with my parents one time, I mean, speaking about McDonald's, and I remember... Never try this at home. Um, we went to McDonald's, and we were traveling from here, I think, to Idaho. And I had this bright idea. I was probably around 9 or 10. I thought, wouldn't it be funny if you snuck into one of the stalls, locked the door, and then crawled out underneath and just left it locked? I don't know. You know, that's not a good thing to do. I just wanted to let you know that. So I, I thought, I'm going to do this. Because my thought was someone will be panicky trying to get in, but they can't get in, which where that comes from, past, growing up as a pastor's kid, that's my warped mind, I guess. 
And so I remember going in the stall, coming out, and as, as soon as my head was lifting up, in walks my dad. And I'm like, oh, this is bad timing. He says, what are you doing? Of course, I'm busted right there. You, I mean, there's no talking your way out of it. I'm busted. And I, I said, dad, I was just, you know, trying to lock it and sneak out. And he just sh- shakes his head and, and says, get to the car, which I got to the car. And it wasn't good for about three hours, but that's okay. Listen, we're here to to listen to the Word of God, right? Because we're going to be giving. This year, I believe for 2014, is going to be a year that we're going to give the good news of Jesus Christ. We spend this whole week, we spend the last three months preparing to what? Give gifts, give all these things. But I want, maybe this is more for me than anybody else here, but I want for my life to be a life this year where I'm giving the gospel. Because it's the gospel that changes lives. I want to take you to Mark chapter 1 this morning, and if you would stand with me, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. It's a very short verse, and it's, it's, it's Jesus calling his disciples into living with him, communing with him, being discipled by him, and serving him. And they are going to turn the world upside down. And this is the first calling of his disciples. And many of you know that Jesus was a lot in the area of Galilee. That's where he grew up. That's where his disciples, a lot of his disciples came from. And so he is calling them. But there's some language that he uses this morning in this verse that I wanted to to make known to us today. And maybe kind of explain some of that. Listen to this. Mark chapter 1 Verse 14 and 15, and it says this, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Lord, I thank you that we can look into your scripture and that we can look into this audience today and that we can see and understand that your good news has power to change lives. And I thank you that, God, as we are looking into your word, that we're working through it today, that you would help us see this new year in a different light. Of giving more than taking. Of sharing and serving more than self-serving. And God, I pray that you'd help us today as we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. There were these two guys that were farmers. One was named Fred and one was named Frank. And Fred and Frank were those type of guys that they were always competing against one another. Who had the best cow? Who had the best chicken? Which chicken could lay the most eggs? I mean, these guys would want to compete with everything that they did. And one day, Fred heard Frank at his farm shooting his gun and he even counted them. He heard Frank shoot 20 times. And he thought to himself, Fred, man, Frank Frank must be doing some target practicing. So he went over to his house, and at his house, he had a barn. And on the side of the barn, he noticed 20 circles, 20 targets painted on his barn. And he walked over to them, and he looked, and right in the middle of all of those circles, those targets, was a perfectly placed hole. And so he went to Frank and said, Frank, how in the world did you shoot 20 times to make perfect shots? He says, oh, that was easy. He says, what I did is I shot 20 times, I got my paint bucket, I went over and I drew a circle around the hole. 
and that's how he made 20 perfect shots. But let me, let me flip that around and say it this way. Maybe we are doing everything that we can to give the impression that our lives are on target when in reality, maybe we're just empty. We have failed in some places. That we haven't done some things right in life. And so to just cover it up, we're going to paint these targets to make it look like we're doing the right thing. And that's what we do is we try to camouflage all of that stuff that happens in life. When I talk about giving the good news today, I'm talking about we as the church body giving the good news and, and looking at our lives and saying, you know what, there may be some things in my life that needs to be fixed or rearranged. But I'm also talking about we as the body of Christ getting outside of the walls of the church this year and giving the good news. So it's this type of thing that we're going to look inside for a minute and then we're going to go out into the, the highways and the byways. But it all begins with this. There is a problem. And the problem could be summarized in this is that there is sometimes personal chaos within our own life. What is that personal chaos? Sometimes there's personal chaos in our life because the fact is, is that sometimes we are messed up people. There's a few of us that are messed up. But if we are real honest with ourselves, we may be a little messed up. And if you're a messed up person going home, you are contributing to a messed up family. And if you're a messed up person going home to a messed up family... You're a messed up family coming to a church that makes makes it a messed up church. (laughs) And if you're a messed up person that has a messed up family at a messed up church, this messed up church is going to a community that is messed up. And so do you see that there is a cycle of messed up people, messed up families, messed up churches, messed up neighborhoods, messed up communities, messed up nations, messed up world. And it's all personal chaos. And here's the idea is that we have to take responsibility for ourselves. And you know what? We, we all, I include, we have to take personal responsibility. Say, God, help me. Help me to focus my attention on your word and what you want me to do this year. And, and here's because of the lack of personal responsibility, what happens is we go into the family situation. And the family situation is it's not the best because I would say that most, a lot of people in this world that we're living in, maybe they were um, married by the secretary of war instead of the justice of the peace. Am I communicating with you this morning? We see that. And, and then we get into the church, and sometimes it's chaos. And, and please let me make this clear. I'm not talking about faith. I'm talking in general, the church in, at large. Does everybody understand? And, and here's what happens. Rather than being the church in the world, because we are called to be the family of God, we have allowed the world and its agenda to kind of creep into the church. We, we have failed to stand in areas that we should be standing in. When the abortion, the homosexuality, all those things begin to rise its head, we don't need to be sitting down, we need to be standing up. And I don't mean in a de- demeaning way, I mean in a loving way. And to be the church that God has called every one of us to be. And what has happened is that sometimes we have settled for this kind of a drive-through mix. Christian spirituality. 
Maybe we can look at it that we are so excited about coming to church and getting our happy meal and our prize that we forget why we come to church. We come to church, yes, to get filled, to praise God and to what it's all about Him. But there is, I believe, a soaking that needs to take place on Sunday mornings. That way, when you go out into the community on Sunday or at Mondays through Saturdays, is that sponge is squeezed and you pour yourself out into the community. And what happens is that when we begin to do that, I think great things happen. It's this, we are called to hate sin but love people. Anywhere and everywhere that we go. And then all of a sudden you know that there are societal problems. Um, Society becomes, it's messed up. And that's why God places his people in a community and a church within the community to make a difference in where they're living. Now if I could sum up this whole thing and take you to the Old Testament... This is the scripture that I would take you to, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 3 through 7. And this is what it says in 2 Chronicles 15. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. But whenever they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him out, they found him. And during those dark times, it was not safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. Nation fought against nation. And city against city. For God was troubling them with every kind of problem. But as for you, be strong and courageous, for your work will be rewarded. You see, I have to understand that because of the personal chaos, the family chaos, the church and the society at whole... It is because we have kind of failed to turn to the true God. We have failed to listen to the teaching that God brings to pulpits uh, all across the land. We have failed to listen to the law, the word of God, right? You say, I thought the law was abolished. He came to fulfill the law. But you have to understand that we're supposed to follow the principles that God has set in place for us. And then when we begin to follow that, God does great things. And what happens is it prepares us. When we line our life up with God and his word, it prepares us to share the good news. The problem is we need help. The solution is changing your thoughts, repenting, turning to God, and allowing God to work through you in a mighty way. And I would just want to sum it up in this word that the solution is the kingdom of God. It's thinking like the kingdom of God. It is thinking and making sure that your life lines up with the principles of God's word. And when you look into the Bible, you'll see this. The kingdom of God means this. It is his rule, it's his reign, and it's his authority. In other words, he calls the shots in your life. You don't call the shots, he calls the shots. Everything changes when he calls the shots. When you obey him and what he wants you to do. Now let me give you, this is Jesus' description of the kingdom. It's found in Luke chapter 17. And he described his kingdom as marked by justice, peace, and righteousness. He did not establish a kingdom on coercion and control. It was, he wanted this. He wanted the rule of love in the hearts of people. That was what his kingdom was about. And when you go to Luke chapter 17... Verse 20, it says this, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. 
Because the kingdom of God is within you. And once we understand that, the Bible makes more sense. That the kingdom of God is within you. Now what is Jesus' mission? His mission is my mission. Because whatever Jesus saw the Father doing in the book of John, it's the whole book, that's what Jesus did. Whatever Jesus does, I do. If you don't know what to do, look at his word. And look to see what he is doing. And look up to Luke chapter 4, 16 and 19. I love, this is one of my, I think it's become one of my life verses. It's, it's what I want to do. It's the way I want to pattern my life after who Jesus is. Jesus described his role and mission this way. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery is sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now get this, when I understand that the description of the kingdom, that the kingdom of God is inside of me, I know this, all of a sudden scriptures begin to pop into my my mind. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That God has given me all authority, right? I can do everything that he is doing. God even says this, he wants to do something new in me. The old is past, the new has come. And then all of a sudden you begin to to, to understand his role and his mission is that he wants us as the body of Christ, what for our personal lives, our family lives, our church lives, our society, wherever we live, our work, our job, to line up with what he is doing. And then, man, we can make a difference together as the body of Christ goes out and makes a difference in this world that he's planted us in. I want to be a part of that in my life in 2014. God, help me live a kingdom lifestyle in and through you. Now, one of the ways that that happened, I want to take you back to the Old Testament. And and you may remember this, but um, war fascinates me, but especially in the Old Testament times when there was war. Most cities would surround themselves with, uh, with walls. You, you talk about the city of Jerusalem, rebuilding the walls and all those things, but most cities had walls. And when they would build a wall, they would have armies inside. There were women, there were children. Everything that they needed to survive was within the city. And there would be some on the outsides of the walls that would go out and and farm and do different things. And they would come back in. But that was their safety zone. And then there would be watchmen on the wall that would look out. And they would see maybe foreign armies approaching the city. And they would give the call to the people because the army inside would say, hey, there's someone approaching. We need to send somebody out. Don't wait until they come to the city. We're going to go after them. And so they would send an army all the way out and they would welcome the other army. Not with a smile, though. And they would, they would em- embrace in a war. And the people back at the city would wait. And you know what they would wait for? They would wait to see if they were winning the battle. And here's what the people inside the city would think. They would anticipate, especially the women and children, because if their army did not win, guess what? Everyone in the city would perish. And so if the army was winning, what would happen is that they would send a euangelon. Euangelon. And what that was, was a message with a messenger. And if they saw a messenger approaching the city, back into the city, he would say this, we're winning. There's no problem. We have won. 
And you know what that is called? That evangelon, that messenger, would share the good news. It was the gospel to the people inside the city saying, hey, we'd won. And everybody would shout. They would be excited because they weren't going to die. Wouldn't you be excited? Now, listen to this. This is the exciting part. Because of that good news that came back, listen to, listen to me. Jesus Christ went on the battlefield of sin and death, and he was victorious. And he comes back, what? With the good news. And the good news that he comes back with, I'm supposed to take out into a world, and I'm supposed to be the euangelon, right, that spreads the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to embrace the community. I'm supposed to go out even when it's a war zone where there's personal chaos, where there's family chaos, where there's all kinds of societal chaos. Guess what? I'm supposed to embrace that. And then I come back. And the exciting part is we get to come into the house of God and celebrate with people who have given their life to Jesus because they heard the good news. Wow, what a picture that is painted that when we begin to share that good news. You see, no one can take away from us what Jesus has already won for us. And so as I share today, I, I want 2014, I want, I want to live in a, as, as a kingdom mindset and in the kingdom of God like, with boldness. And I believe that for Faith Assembly, I believe for myself that this year we are called to spread the good news with courage. With courage. With courage. And this year is going to be a year that I believe that maybe God uses today to speak into your life. And wherever you go, whatever you do, that you're going to be spreading the good news. To invite people to faith assembly of God. Why? Because their lives can be transformed. Can be brand new in Him. Now I remember when I began to spread the good news. I was probably in high school when we began to go on uh, mission trips. And we do a lot of home missions. And we would go to, I remember Colorado, Alabama, all different places, uh, Tennessee one year. And being young and, and, um, young and dumb, I would say, I was, I was scared to death to share g- the gospel. What they would do is they would bring you all together, about 100 students, and they'd divide you into about three teams, and then they would just hit neighborhoods. And in the neighborhoods, you would just go door to door and knocking on a door, and I'm like, I would always, hey, somebody else, hey, you take this door. I think this would be a good fit for you. Um, because I was scared to death. How many's ever been scared to death to do that? I mean, I was, I admit it, I was scared to death. And then our, our way of doing that, I call this more like headhunters than, than, than basically sharing the good news. Because they would say, they'd give us words. If you were, you, you know, knock on the door, and this is what you say. If you were to die today, what kind of good news is that? If you were to be walking across the street, man, and get ran over and die, I mean, that is not a great way, I think, to present the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Uh, hey, if you were to die today. Now, I think it had great intentions, and we, we saw that people got saved through that, but if you ask me today, I think that personal evangelism, sharing the good news, is built, number one, on relationships. Is that you build relationships with people. You get into their world. And I know that there are times when God says, hey, you need to witness to that person. I'm totally open to that. Go for it because God has called you to do that. But we should be building those relationships and, and um, sharing the good news that God has for each and every. So don't forget to take a risk in life this year. Be adventurous. 
lived risky a little bit this year. Some of us in here are probably so safe, we, we, we have a hard time going from the, from the bedroom to the bathroom to the kitchen, and we don't want to fall down. You know what I'm saying? Be risky this year. Get outside your, know, get to know your neighbors. Do whatever it takes to do. And, and here's what happens. We begin to be pessimistic and negative, and people say things like this. You can even finish the statement. What goes up? Let's come down. You can't have your cake. And if, you, if, if it can go wrong, it will go. You got to keep, keep both feet. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. And this is one I like. It's all fun and games. Someone gets an eye poked out. You ever heard that one? Yeah. Man, I, here's what I've learned. Black Friday is risky. If you've been on five of those Black Fridays and you're here today, you better count your blessings you're here. Driving is risky. Now let me get a lot deeper. Marriage is risky. Raising kids, it's risky. I mean, we could go through the whole gamut. All kinds of things are risky. We just don't see it that way. But it's risky. God has called us what? To take a risk, to have courage in life. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love, power, and self-discipline. He wants to give us power to do things. We don't have to be afraid and live in fear. I don't think he wants us to arrive at death safely, kind of fall into the coffin, and that's it. You know what? He has good works for you and I to do. He even said that, Ephesians chapter 2. I have planned, prepared for you good works in advance for you to do. I I don't want to miss those good works this year in 2014. I think he looks at 2014, he sees faith assembly of God, and he says this, who can I send? Can I send you? Are you going to take a risk? Are you going to be courageous this year? Are you going to be predictable and just play it safe? Are you going to step out of your comfort zone this year and go into a community that is messed up and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ? Are you going to be the messenger that sins and says, hey, God loves you this year? And bring and build in them a relationship so that you can, what? So they can come into relationship with Christ, come to faith assembly of God, and their lives are forever changed. And I, I could say this, that you know what? God has been dealing with me on a personal level to do just this. I, I go by, I drive from Van Ocean Road down Royal Road every day to work. To, to, and, and there is a guy, if you were to... To, to drive from here and go over to 78, hit this road over here, go down on Royal Road, there's a guy that lives right there at that corner. He has tiki torches and hubcaps, and he has a, a box that he lives in. And I've passed that place time and time again and, and, and heard his voice say, you need to stop there. And I wish I could say I did the first time, but I didn't. But two weeks ago, I did. I saw him out there. And his name is Bob. And I said, Bob, how are you doing? My name is Craig. I attend the church right down here at Faith Assembly of God. I just want to come and get to know you a little bit. Maybe bring you a meal sometime. How are you? He staggers around. He's drinking. That's okay. Now I know where he's at. He says, you know what? I grew up United Pentecostal speaking in tongues. And he said, I trust him, my life just doesn't live for him right now. And I was just floored. 
I said, Jesus. And, and I just begin to pray and, and say, you know what, Bob, I'm going to come back and see you. And, and, and you just begin to think about, man, what, what his life could be. But you know what, I believe I'm called to love him right there. Right where he's at and just love him. And so even yesterday, I, I went by and got one of those. Man, this is, I think this is my ministry. Little Caesars, $5 pizzas, they're large. <laughs> Pastor, it's discounted. Large pizza, 5 bucks. You can't beat it. <laughs> ministry of the $5 pizza, that's what I'm going to... So I, I didn't see him there, but I just laid it down and said, hopefully he'll find that pizza. But man, 5 bucks, I, who can, if you go to Starbucks every day, you're spending 5 bucks. Feed somebody that's poor. That's what the Bible says, to love the poor. To love them. And that's what we need to do, is we got to get out of the community. And you know what? I'm still thankful for faith assembly of God, like on a remount road last week where they were able to serve, what, over 1,200 people. That's what it's like being a part of faith assembly of God. That's what I want my life to be, right? Is giving and loving and sharing his good news. It's living a kingdom lifestyle. It's building community in the church and loving the people, what? Around the church. And as you do it, don't forget to take a risk. Don't forget to be strong. Be strong. You know what? He has called us to a free life and not a safe life, so be strong. It says this in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. I love that. Be on your guard, stand firm, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. The second thing that we're going to do in 2014 as faith is similar to God, listen to this. We are called to spread the good news with love. Let love be your guiding light that helps you know what you're doing, where you're going, and what God is unfolding in your life. How do we do that? Well, first we have to love God. Mark 12 says it the best, and we've heard this verse over and over and over again. It's when the Sadducees and Pharisees were questioning Jesus, and he just says this, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. You see, everything that flows out of your life should flow from your loving God. Since God is physically invisible, Colossians says, we love him because of what we know about his character, his nature, and his traits. And we demonstrate our love by doing this, by imitating his nature. We love because he first loved us. That's imitating his nature. Because he loved, I love. We love because we, we, we do this by obeying his commands. If you love me, Jesus said, you will obey what I say. That's one of the greatest tests to see if you love him. Are you obeying him? Are you listening to his word? Are you obeying his word? If we're called to spread the good news in love, we've got to love God and we also have to love our neighbor. And the second part of Mark chapter 12 says this, and I think Jesus had this great idea. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving people. And when you go to John chapter 15, verse 15, I love this because Jesus said it this way. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. 
And the idea is that living in the kingdom arena, in the kingdom lifestyle, encompasses this beholding a deeply held friendship with Jesus. Jesus calls us into relationship with him in this new kingdom where our lives would be marked by love and compassion. It's his kingdom rule. It's what he wants in life. And so everywhere we go, whatever we do, it's got to be love has got to push us. It's got to be able to direct us because it's God's love. A group of young people were touring overseas and one day one of the girls in the group noticed this little girl. She was filthy from playing in the dirt and the girl asked the guide, why doesn't that little girl mother clean her up? And the guide replied, that little girl's mother probably loves her, but apparently she doesn't hate dirt. And the guide looked at the young lady and says, you hate dirt, but you don't love her enough to go over there and clean her up. Until the same person has hate for dirt and love for her, that little girl will probably remain as she is. What a powerful story and example of what love really is. You see, in some places, in, in, in this life that we live in, this nation that we live in, Christianity has lost its place and center of American life. And I can say that because 75% of the people in the low country this morning did not go to church. It's a fact. You can find it. Stats will tell you that 20-some percent go. stay home on a given Sunday. Why is that? Some some is because they have a misconception of what the church is. They've been hurt in church. They don't know what's going on. There's sometimes infighting, bad attitudes. And and here's what happens. Did you know that three out of the 10 30-year-olds attend church within a six-month period? Just one time. Four out of 10 40-year-olds attend church just one time in six months. Five out of ten 50-year-olds attend church one time within six months. But let me tell you this. Just because people aren't coming to church on a Sunday morning does not mean that they are not hungry for salvation and hope. I believe now more than any time in our nation's history that there is more uncertainty about anything and everything than ever before. And people are asking the question, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. To me, my family, my, fi- my finances, everything that uh, goes along with the, the heartbreaks and heartaches of life, they don't know. But I'm telling you, it sets us up as the church to do great things in our community. Because if we know that the 75% aren't coming to church, guess where we need to be? Outside the church. Yeah. Loving people, helping people, and getting them inside the church. <coughs> Why? Because God has called us to love people where they're at because they need hope if you go to romans you'll you'll find this that paul was longing to visit rome and when he wrote the book of romans he wrote the book because there were some distorted rumors about what he was preaching and his message and his theology and for 25 years he had been preaching so he decided to put all that he believed in his theology in a book and we call that book romans And I want to start with just, I want to give you two verses that kind of help you understand some of the significance of it. And one is Romans chapter 1, verse 8. 
And I like this because it reminds me of faith. Listen to this. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. That's exciting. Did you know that on a Sunday morning at Faith Assembly of God, his pastor is preaching that there is an internet uh, media feed that goes out and that we have people literally from across the world watching Faith Assembly of God. That's exciting. Supporting missionaries all across the world is that people know that what faith is making an impact in in this community and, and we're doing great things for the Lord. But you know what? I think we can do more. We can be greater. We can have a, that, the description of the kingdom and the role of the kingdom within our lives. We can do even more within what God has given us. Now here's the key. Here's the key. Romans chapter 116. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. In other words, when you go to your restaurant today, don't be ashamed to sit and gather around in that restaurant and have a prayer in front of the people that are there. To show them that what? You're a believer, right? I love it. My, my, my kid came home to, from um, school one day and said they were doing this dance recital and they needed someone to pray and they were looking around. They said, well, we'll have Callie do it. She's a holy roller. Go. I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's a... You're, you're, that, they know. Made me proud. Why? Because she's not ashamed of the good news. She's not ashamed of the gospel. And I think sometimes that we are ashamed of the gospel. I remember as a kid, what, praying for your meal outside, you'd, I'd go like this, act like I had a headache. Man, when the prayer's done, you kind of lean up. I don't want to be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. What God has won for you, nobody can take away. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of the Jesus Christ because he can transform lives. You're going to share his good news with courage. You're going to share his good news in love. You're going to get past the personal chaos, the family chaos, the societal chaos this year within your life and you're going to go out into a community that is going to change this community. And just think about this. If everyone could just reach one person this year, just one person this year. Look what would happen. Look what would happen. As the musicians prepare to get ready, I'm, I'm going to end with a story. And it goes all the way back to when I was seven years old. Seven or eight years old. And I remember this. I remember going to church. It was VBS. And I remember it was a vacation Bible school. And we had a guest speaker in. It was uh, they, they had puppets or Remember the dummies that would sit on someone's hand and they would talk? You remember that? It was so fun. And this one would actually spit. I don't know why, but it was, it was amazing. So, and I remember giving my life to the Lord, seven, eight years of age, and, and saying, God, I want you to come into my life. And I remember my dad was a pastor. We had this real small church. I bet there were probably a hundred or so people in the church. It was one with the basement, and the basement would flood about every spring when it got a lot of water and you had to pump it all out. And... I remember this. I remember a couple named Bob and Peggy that would come to church. And when they came in, I knew something was different about them because they didn't look like the other people at church. And here's what I remember about them. I remember that they looked different and, and I didn't know the name, the word then, but I know it now, but they were hippies. But a guy within our church invited them to come. They were living in a tent. And they came to church 
that day. And they even said, I don't know if that we'll be accepted at this church. I don't know if people will really like us because of who we are and what we represent. But they came to church with marijuana in their pocket. They came to church. And at the end of the day, as my dad gave the message, they gave their life to Jesus Christ. And that's just the beginning. They had nothing. They lived in a tent. They had two kids. And I remember they stayed at that church. And they began to grow in that church. They were discipled in that church. And what happened is they got involved. God began to change their life. The good news changed their life. The gospel changed their life. And so they began to work. And I remember one Sunday afternoon, and I don't know about you, I grew up that about every Sunday afternoon you would go home with somebody in church. I don't know if mom and dad are trying to get rid of us. I have no idea. Maybe they just want a little family time. I don't know. So, here's what happened. My sister and I, she's three years younger than I was, we went home with them. I didn't know anything about them other than they'd been coming to church for two or three years. They're working at church, and we, when we, I rode in the back of the truck 30 miles to their house. Pulled up to their house. Wasn't a house. Pulled up. It's one room, 12 by 16. We walk in. Bunk beds, there's a little kitchen, there's all these things, and I'm just in shock. Never seen that before in my life. I'm about nine years of age. I look at my sister. At some point during the day, this happens. You've got to go to the bathroom. I go to him. Where's the bathroom? It's outside. It's an outhouse. Walk outside. Never seen an outhouse. Didn't really know what to do with an outhouse. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for preparing me for that lesson in life. They explained kind of what to do. I was there. And the amazing thing was, is when I was there, I'm like, this was shocking. I went home. And I was like, Mom, you know, you just, as a kid, you begin to share and share. And this is the experience. This is what I love. Incredible people. Lovely people. And let me just jump forward. She gets involved in missionettes. She's an impact missionettes leader for 20 years at the church. He's involved in Royal Rangers. 33 years later, they are still at the church. On their property, they have built four beautiful cabins in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, where you can go and couples can stay. They have built an incredible business. One of the biggest givers of the church. Because one Sunday, they heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And their life was changed. Their kids' lives. Their kid, one of their kids, still goes to the church today. Because it's the power of the gospel. There are people all across this community. There are Bobs. There are Peggy's all across this community that are waiting for somebody to share with them. All it took was one guy to say, hey, would you come to our church? And you know what? We need to be a church that accepts anybody, everybody that walks through those doors. I'm telling you, this is going to happen. Amen. God, let us have courage. Amen. So here we are. We come to this point today. What are you going to do with the gospel? Are you going to be the messenger who runs it and says, I have the good news? I'd encourage you not to sit and just be a pew warmer, but get into the game. Get into the game in 2014. Allow God to stir your life and your heart. Amen? Would you bow your heads this morning? If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you may be right in the situation that Bob and Peggy and 
You just come from a background where you're, there's personal chaos, family chaos, whatever it may be. And you need Jesus Christ to come into your life. And you need a new start with Him. Would you just simply raise your hand today? Because I want to pray for you. I want to pray with this good news that you can give your life to the Lord. And He will change your life. Anybody at all? You just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I want to accept the good news. I want to accept Jesus today. Just raise your hand. So I can see it today. I want Jesus Christ. I need Jesus Christ in my life today. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.